So you think business is all about that next strategic move. Well, what if I told you you had it all wrong? We're going to tell you what that secret is all about right here, right now on the Scale or Fail show. Welcome to the Scale or Fail Show. I am your host, Allison Maslin. I'm a business mentor, a serial entrepreneur, and what I get so excited about is bringing you some of the world's top experts in business and in life to make your journey more inspiring, just a little bit easier, and a lot more fun and successful. So today is definitely a big day on the show. With a passion to love and serve, Ajit Nawalka has successfully built numerous online brands for coaches, authors, and speakers, and online educators. This includes co-founding both Mind Valley Tech and Evercoach, the leading brand in helping coaches reach their full potential, which has impacted over 140,023, to be exact, uh, coaches, teachers, and educators. His latest venture, Global Grit Institute, focuses on helping companies increase their revenues without stress, which we're going to talk about today, without overwhelm, without anxiety. Ajit is also a business coach who's helped companies scale from startup phase to over 10 million in revenue. In fact, his clients often report growth from 30% to over 200% as a result of working with him. In addition to his first bestseller, The Book of Coaching, Ajit's latest book, Live Big, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Passion, Purpose, and Practicality is helping thousands of coaches and other entrepreneurs live a more fulfilling life while building a successful business. So Ajit, thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, so, um, and this is such a fantastic book and this is a great topic. I love that you focus on the mindset of the entrepreneur because I think that there is this idea, it's, it's, that, next face, it's that next Facebook ad, it's that next funnel that I'm going to do that is going mm -hmm. to be th the big success. So we'll get into that in a minute, but can you tell us how did you find this work? I mean, did you, mm -hmm. do you feel like you were a born entrepreneur? Is it something you learned along the way? So I started my journey in India. I grew up in India. I grew up in a small town called Jaipur, which is a beautiful little town, historical background and so forth. I, I grew up in the old town, old city of, of, the, of that little town. And I grew up with 23 other people sharing the same space, uh, which kind of very early on got me motivated towards finding something that will get me out of that place. Uh, and that motivated me to, to look at things slightly differently. In India, if you're not an engineer or a doctor or an accountant, you're deemed a failure. Like basically wow. you're, you're no worth pressure. nothing. Yeah, you're basically <laughs> nothing because everybody is an engineer or a doctor. Everybody that's watching this show probably knows an Indian who's an engineer or a doctor. Um, so, so that's kind of what my background was and I was training to be an engineer. Uh, but I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs, not very successful entrepreneurs, as you can imagine, we were 23 people living in the same house, so they were not financially very successful, uh, but entrepreneurship was around me all the time. They were all in business and they were all 
trying to make business work. Um, I grew up with a lot of wisdom around, like my grandfather and my father both are very wise people, or my grandfather is past now. Um, so I grew up around a lot of wisdom and a lot of failed entrepreneurship, you can say. Uh, so I learned, you can say, a lot of lessons during that course and also built my big desire of saying I want to build something interesting in my life at that time. Uh, while being on track to be an entrepreneur, uh, I, sorry, be an engineer, I kind of figured that that's not for me because I wasn't like, I was excited about math but nothing else. So I love math and, and I loved doing math as well as, as, as a student but after that physics, chemistry, the whole engineering game wasn't for me. Um, and so I kind of quit engineering. I had to write a letter to my dad about saying, hey, I, I gotta quit this, I can't do it. He was kind enough to support me at the time and that got me introduced to entrepreneurship because I had to figure out how to not be completely broke and unsuccessful and be a failure in everybody's eyes because that was my big dialogue at the time uh, of what will people think. Uh, and so that got me introduced to the idea of entrepreneurship. I started very early on any job that I took. I always proposed to the founder of the company, hey, maybe we can do a thing together. And uh, early, the first few ones were not that successful, uh, but eventually we got to a point where we have built several companies now which are fairly successful. So. I yeah, got to entrepreneurship wow. like that. That's yeah. an incredible story and wonderful that your father ended up being supportive, which I am sure a lot in um, the Indian culture that the, if the children were going to kind of veer off on their own thing, they didn't get that kind of support. No, no, absolutely not. Indian culture is very family oriented plus I think, and again, it's changing now dramatically. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of awareness thanks to all the education and thanks to internet largely that people are starting to get a very interesting idea about, hey, does parenting really need to be enforced, let's say, for example, which was the truth about Indian parents uh, in the last generation, I would say, where it was all yeah. about, now we know better. And so we must tell you as a kid what you need to do. Plus, their dialogue was highly, highly motivated by how the world perceives you and your kid, which I know happens even today, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, don't we all end up in those situations where somebody else is judging your judging you because of your kids, right? Uh, right? It's almost like, okay, I gotta prove that, my kid needs to prove that I'm a good parent. Right. Uh, right, and that's so, <laughs> that's just yeah. uh, neither I mean, fair to anyone in that no. situation. No. Um, but, but anyway, so that's, that's kind of the dialogue that I grew up in, and, yeah. and it was a big thing for my dad to say, no, it's okay, you, you can do what you wanna do, and this that's is all amazing. I can support. Yeah. That's a gift, and the fact that you were willing to reach out to these business owners and say, hey, let's do something together. I mean, that took a lot of guts for somebody that was young. You oh, know, absolutely. are they gonna pay attention to me <laughs> and, um, and, and asking for that help? So, um, now I love, uh, you know, as I was saying with, with the book, um, as far as looking at the mindset, and I, you know, we work with business owners and a lot of times we'll say, hey, mindset is 90% of the game, maybe even higher. But mm -hmm. I think people feel like, you know, it, it's, it has to be that one strategy. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that all business success is a mental game? 100%. Like, I would say 90%, 95% of business is a mental game and it's about the entrepreneur a lot of times, but the matter most of the times. Um, no business strategy per se makes a business. Uh, it's the change in the attitude of the entrepreneur that makes the business. It's change in the perspective that the entrepreneur approaches the same problem or the same situation or the product is what changes the game 
for the business. That's what we believe, and I think you believe the same. Yeah. Uh, what happens often is because we go to groups or we look at other people, we think that person saying, oh, they ran a Facebook ad and they made a million dollars in seven days, I must do the same, mm -hmm. right? But that's completely counter. They didn't make this million dollars, if that was true, first of all. But let's say, assume that it is true, that they didn't make seven, uh, seven figures in seven days or whatever the thing that is that they were proposing. It was because of the approach they took towards betting on Facebook ads or saying that this is the amount of risk I'm willing to take. So yes, tactics and strategies per se work, but they don't work because of the tactic or the strategy. They work because of the approach to the tactic or the strategy. Right. And, and that the approach comes, is entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah, and that comes from that self-worth inside of you or that yeah. willingness to like take that leap and, and uh, not be afraid to fail and, and, and all of those things. So you, you already had impacted um, hundreds of thousands of people with your first book. Mm -hmm. uh, what brought you to say, okay, I'm ready for the next book and you wanted to tackle this topic? So it was, the, my first book was called The Book of Coaching. It's called The Book of Coaching and it focuses very much towards coaches and helping them identify the three matrix that are really important, the three pillars that are really important in our opinion uh, in a coaching business or coaching uh, practice. It's you, your methodology and your business. And that's really was the focus of that book is to identify that. What I found in my own personal journey is that often as entrepreneurs, we tend to get so focused towards creating this thing that we absolutely love and message that we absolutely want to spend is, the, is that we forget about ourselves and we forget about the journey that is a holistic journey, right? And so what happens is we start to sacrifice on relationships, we start to sacrifice on health, we start to sacrifice on other things because we are just so dedicated towards creating something that we are extremely excited about. And nothing wrong with that on the surface level, but if you really dig deep, you find that that is what happened with me. I was so excited and pumped about creating the different works of art, in my opinion, uh, which was my businesses or companies that I was supporting, that I forgot about that I need to take care of this vessel that actually channels all that energy that will help all these other different businesses. And then I had a big time, big time burnout where Pretty much I sabotaged everything, including my career at the time, where I was like, no, this is not going to work, this is not going to work, this is not going to work, because health-wise I was suffering, relationship-wise I was suffering. I didn't really have that depth of friendships that I had in my early childhood, because I had lost that momentum in life. And so I almost went on a rediscovery path where I didn't, the, the, the question I didn't want to compromise why I still loved my art, I loved my business. But at the same point in time, I had to find some way of integrating everything else in a, in a way where I can enjoy the process of building it. I can also have a great health and a great loving relationship and I can meet with my friends and hang out and come to places like this and hang out with people like you. And I didn't have that time. So I had to redesign my life and it started with the principles that we talk about in Live Big. It started with saying, how do I create a life that is holistic? It, it accounts for everything else. And then it also grows the companies that I want to work in or what I want to build or even if I want to build several companies. What is it that it will take? And that discovery and that journey gave birth to Libbeg. And, and that really is what this is. This is an expression of perspectives. It's an, it's, it's, that's why I call it more like a perspective shift guide. It's a book that I, that I encourage people to open wherever they feel like. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not something that you have to read sequentially. You read it from the place that feels right to you 
and it will communicate something to you that you can take back to your reality, your business, your life, and shift the perspective of things that you may be looking at to give and, and give you a slightly different or a completely different perspective sometimes, which may transform your life. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you can open the book anywhere and it gives you that uh, powerful inspiration. And so for the business owner that's sitting out there, they're like, I used to love what I do. Mm-hmm. I feel flat. I'm not excited about what we're, I'm doing. You know, mm-hmm. we're doing okay in business, but is, there, is this all there is? Do you feel like that they have to make a radical change in their business? I mean, mm-hmm. where does it start that they can kind of reclaim their joy, reclaim their happiness, mm-hmm. their health? Mm-hmm. So there, there are many faults, and it depends on entrepreneur to entrepreneur, but most of the time what we have found is if an entrepreneur is losing the drive, it's because they've lost the vision is that they've lost that big outcome that they were always chasing that was always exciting. Or they're too close to the outcome that they were always chasing and they forgot that the reason why they were so excited about that outcome and not excited about it anymore is because the outcome was greater than what they could ever imagine they could have for themselves. Let's say, for example, somebody wants to build a company and they're building a company. They they start with the enterprise saying, only if I could make a million dollars a year. Right. Let's say that's a number that usually yeah. people have in their mind. Only if I could make like a million dollars, right? So it's like that's the chase that started. Let's say you are eight hundred thousand. Yeah. Right. And this is numbers is why I'm giving this example. It could yeah, be a no, lifestyle. It could be okay. anything, right? But eight hundred thousand. You're not excited about a million anymore because it's so easy to get there, right? You're already at eight hundred thousand. It looks like yeah, I'll get it in one or two years. Like it's that's all there is. It's not exciting. As human beings, as much as we need to love the present to find the joy on a daily basis in our life and fuel ourselves on a daily basis, what we need is a chase. If there is no chase in life, there is no fun. Like, do you, I mean, let's take an example of a relationship, right? When you and your partner are flat, where you are the same because of, let's say, in 10 years of 20 years of relationship, you haven't, like you've destroyed the polarity between two partners, what happens? It's a flat relationship then. Yeah. But the partners that can keep the polarity, the partners that can say, no, there's still something that you don't know about me. There's still a little secret. It's not a dirty, bad secret. It's like a secret. That's like almost you rediscover your partner. You're like, hey, I didn't know where that came from. Yeah. Right? When you have that, isn't that relationship so much more fired up? Yeah. It's the same way with business. What's the chase? We that like newness, chains. that newness, and it is because when you have that next level, it's like you are, you're opening up a whole new world of possibilities in your business or relationship. Um, I shared this at my last event, so, mm-hmm. uh, but I haven't actually shared this on the show. My husband and I actually, every once in a while, we will go out and we will pretend like we don't know each other, and That's then right. he will pick me up like he's just met me, and it is so funny, but we actually get into character and it's like we're meeting each other for the first time it's uh, and so i shared this at my event and all these women went home to tell their husbands i'm sure they were like oh my god what do we have to do now but i do that's that's exciting right yeah so exciting i know it sounds for for a person that (laughs) that is not like anybody that is in a relationship for a long time can relate to that a hundred percent it is exciting it's fun it's different uh, it, is, it, it brings newness, like you said. Yeah. And same is for business. If there is no chase, if there is nothing that is pulling you and saying it's challenging, like it's not, if, not, if it's not there, it's boring. And if it's boring, it's going to go flat. Yeah, and it helps you to reconnect with why you were doing it in the first place, like what you were said, what you said, the vision, which I think is so important. 
And so when you say a, a big life, like what does that l look like for you? Can you define that for us? And, and um, yeah, let's, let's A big life or, or living big for me is a choice, uh, is a life of choice. Okay. which simply means that if you get to decide every single day, every single moment of your life, how you want to live it, you're living a big life, which means you, you have a complete control on where you want to spend your time, how you want to spend your time, with who you want to spend your time, and you're able to have that. Uh, you're not trapped by any reason. Uh, and that's a big life. That's a mm -hmm. life of choice is, is what really it means. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what it's all about, right? And how are most business owners or entrepreneurs not living that way? Because most business owners in today's time, especially, live in a constant state of comparison. Um, and this, there are many good things about social media. And I love social media. There's nothing wrong with social media, except that it brings about a, a human nature, an element of human nature, which is called uh, social comparison. Social comparison has always been there in human beings. It's, it was not as evident because you would occasionally compare socially. Social right. comparison simply means that when you look at somebody else in the world, you yeah. compare yourself in context of them. Right. Right. There's two truths to that. Firstly, it's human nature. So it's okay if you compare yourself. The challenge becomes when social media is on a daily and minute by minute basis. On average, somebody's picking up their phone in today's time about 30 to 40 times a day. Yeah. When you pick up your phone 30, 40 times a day, that means a lot of those times you're actually accessing social media. On average, I think people are spending about an hour on social media every day. That's a lot of social comparison. A new study that just came out that says people who check Facebook often versus people who don't check Facebook often are happier, the people who check less of Facebook. I believe That's that. simple social comparisons. Like you think that that person is doing better and you feel bad about yourself. Yeah. But here's the second truth that nobody realizes. You never know somebody else's story. Yeah. You oh. have no idea. Wow. what their real story is, right? Yeah. You're seeing a highlight reel, right? Because that's what social media posts are. It's a highlight reel, yeah. right? You see 30 seconds of an entrepreneur that says they work 24 hours, right? Do they really work 24 hours? Or it's a 30 second highlight reel that you just saw and you believe that they say work, 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 and that's all you gotta do. And now you're going, fuck, I've been taking holidays for three months in the middle, <laughs> or I took a five day vacation, or this weekend I didn't work, maybe I should work, right? But yeah. no, that's a highlight reel. So, so that's what happens in social comparison yeah. is you A, see somebody else's highlight reel and you start to believe that that's their absolute truth, which it is not because everybody has a very unique storyline and you have nothing to compare. And secondly, you're constantly put in that position that puts you in a state of never enough or yeah. not enough. I am not enough. My business is not enough, which puts you in this place of always chasing something that you don't want, but because somebody else has it, you want it. Right. Right. So you see the difference. The difference is you should have a chase, 100%, but it should be your desire, your yeah. chase, not somebody else's chase. Right yeah. now, we chase somebody else. And, you're, and when you're doing that, when you are doing that comparison, what you're really doing is putting yourself down. Yes. Putting yourself down over and over again. And you don't want it to be like them. You want it to be from your own voice, you right? Want more of you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what's so freeing. Now, you talk about, um, you're saying, what I read about is following your passion is not always necessarily the right thing to do, which is kind of opposite of what you hear. So yeah. can you talk about that a little bit? So 
we have a lot of passions. Human beings are multi-passionate human beings, right? Like we have passion for many things. I have a passion for cooking and I have a passion for business. I have passion for systems. I have passion for teaching. There are many passions that I have, but not all of them translate to profitable business. Yeah. And that's really what I mean to say when I say, don't chase your passion. Well, your business should have something that you're passionate about. Not always all your passions will translate to good business for yeah. you based on your personality, based on what you want to be, what you want for revenue, and all of that kind of good stuff. So, so as much as passion is important to have in your business, it's not, the, it's not the defining factor. It's not the thing that you say, follow your passion. No. Follow, look at what are the different passions that you have, because passions are also fickle. Sometimes passions are momentary, right? You, you look at somebody, you go, wow, I love that speaker on stage. I want to be a speaker. Is that really your passion or is that something that you got excited about? Right. right. So there's that difference, first of all. Secondly, if let's say you are passionate about speaking, is that the career you want? Do you want to be on the road 200, 200 days of a, of a year? Will you be excited about that? Mm -hmm. Like a full on speaker career looks like that. It's like 200, yeah. 250 days of a year that are on the road, right? So do you want to be that person? Do you want to have a career where you're away from family, just speaking around the world 200 days of a year? If the answer is no, then maybe that's not the passion you want to chase because you, you may make some money on that, but you're not going to love it. Yeah, you have right? to look at all yeah. sides of it, right? You of gotta of see what it all. that it's like if you love baking pies, are you going to love baking pies 24/7? You might yeah. be sick of pies. Yeah. Uh, by then. So, um, now also in the book you mentioned that you can get past any challenge in 20 minutes or less. So, I mean, think about the biggest challenge that you have right now and you can imagine getting beyond that in 20 minutes. Yeah. So, tell us about that. So there are many ways of doing that, but I'm just going to talk in context of entrepreneurship. Okay, perfect. Most of the challenges that you currently experience are probably a result of your expectations. They might be coming from how you have perceived the outcome to, to or wanted the outcome to look like, right? But often those expect, expectations are, are, are set up from a place of either comparison or from a place of not really a full education of where how it really looks like, right? Most challenges are self-implicated. Like we create the challenge. It's not really a challenge. Again, I'm not trying to generalize, yeah. but that's kind of the, if I have to talk about the 80, 20, yeah, but that that's so like important yeah. though, right? Because we're always, I think, look, I think a lot of times people are waiting for the other shoe to drop, but you realize that it often is what's going on in here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and those are created by ourselves and, yeah. and because you've set this expectation, which may be unrealistic, or even if it's unrealistic and it's okay to be unrealistic sometimes, you might not have given yourself enough time to actually meet that expectation. It's currently is presenting itself as a challenge. So how do you, do, how do you flip that on its side? First step is to understand that it's an expectation. Okay. Right. So, so understand that this is an expectation, which means that it is a figment of your imagination. It's, it can be 10, it can be five, it can be 100. All of them are right till the time that's your expectation, right? So first, when you understand that, okay, everything is a, is, a, is a function of my expectation, you can then go back and say, okay, is this really a challenge, right? Is this really a concern or is this more me not meeting my expectation right now, right? And if that happens, you can then rationalize yourself back to coming back to say, okay, so that's my expectation. I understand that right now I'm not at a place to be able to meet my expectation. What's the path I can create to, to actually meet my expectation? And Our but mind, you're not saying lower your expectations. No, never, never lower your expectation. Never lower your standards. I, I would never advocate for that. But you need to. So rationalizing a problem, 
solves the problem often. Again, it's not, it won't fit every scenario, but it'll fit most scenarios. What happens is, say you have an expectation, right? And you're currently facing a challenge because you feel like I've not met my expectation, okay. right? If you rationalize it, instead of just getting emotionally riled up about it, which is what most people do, yes. is that you go, oh, I've not met this, I'm not ah, this and that, and they're fighting it, they're like really like trying to hustle against it. Yeah. Instead of that, if you go, okay, so that's where I need to go, this is where I am, how do I get there? Your challenge almost all of a sudden becomes a step process that you have to follow versus, oh, it's a challenge. It's not a challenge. Right, so it really is taking the emotion out of it and getting into that solution or your engineer part of your brain to say, okay, <laughs> how do we solve this, right? Yeah. And then how do we just shift that ex shift that expectation rather than lower the expectation? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so um, you've also said that 65% of business owners suffer from anxiety. So that means over half of you that are watching this are <laughs> have anxiety and, and I've experienced that too. I mean, right? Because in, in business you're taking risks all the time. There's a lot of that unknown. Um, so how, what do you, what's the top way that you've learned to overcome mm -hmm. anxiety? So anxiety happens because of the fear of future, right? The fear of what we are most of the time. Again, there's gross generalizations that, that you have to make to be able to answer a question like that. But uh, generalization would say, well, there's, there's a fear of future that you have is why you create anxiety, right? I have an event coming up. Will I do good on that event or not? You have anxiety. Will we meet our revenue goals? You, you're, you're challenged by anxiety, right? All these things, you, you, things like that. Or my team member is going to do this if there's anxiety, right? So anxiety comes from the fear of future most of the time. And so what is great to do in that moment is when anxiety shows up is to have a practice of presence of knowing that you're going to be okay. And, and some of the great practices that, that often are talked about is simply meditation. If mm -hmm. you're not being, uh, if you can find a meditative state. If not, for some people journaling is great, like where mm -hmm. you can sit down and journal through your anxiety and you will be past it. Some people like to talk through it. Talking through it sometimes can be harmful if you're not talking to the right person because they can compound on your anxiety. They can actually tell you, oh no, it's going to be bad, right? <laughs> and you just double down on all the anxiety that you already had. So. So you want to be careful about that talking bit, that you're talking to the right person, not somebody who's going to compound on it. Otherwise, use reflective exercises because reflection is completely based on you and your process. And right. usually you can write through your anxiety or meditate through your anxiety. Those are some simple tools that anybody can utilize uh, to, to, again, rationalize their fear for the future because really fear for the future is, again, another imagination that we have it's not true it hasn't happened there is no reason for us to be anxious about it yeah and think about all the times in your life mm -hmm. that you wasted time worrying mm -hmm. right i mean how many hours like mm -hmm. hundreds of hours have you wasted time worrying and if you could take that and fuel it into something positive right yeah um you know i've i've tried meditating over the years i've really struggled with it and what I came to realize not long ago because I just have a hard time sitting still or that's the story I tell myself anyway because <laughs> my husband meditates all the time is I found out that I can sit and and shift my energy mm -hmm. almost like in a meditative state but I can do it quickly so mm -hmm. I think everybody has their own whatever Absolutely. that meter because I, I like avoided it because I and I had this realization I could actually sit close my eyes and just get back into that, you know, power within me or whatever, or get into that space of, of alignment that I could shift and move on. 
-hmm. And that was very freeing for me. Yeah. So meditation is not always about sitting still. Uh, I know that's the traditional definition of meditation. That's how people understand it. Uh, because that's how the the guys sitting at Hima, in the Himalayas right. and all by themselves were talking about this is what meditation. It comes from a lot from India and yogic practices. Um, it, it's not true. If you look, go to the foundation of meditation, is meditation is about sitting with yourself uh, and just being present to the situation that you're in or being present to yourself. Uh, in, in the most simplistic approach, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is, it, it is okay if you're not able to sit still and just focus on your breath. It's okay. Most of the people can't. Uh, and it's nothing, there's, there's nothing wrong with you. Uh, <laughs> when, when, when that happens, meditation is your own process of being with yourself comfortably and finding that space of stillness. Uh, and stillness could be the way you want to do it. I have a creative process. I don't sit still and not do anything when I'm in meditation, I have a process that I follow, which is my own creative process. I have a visualized, I'm a person which is very visual. I go on my journeys when I'm meditating. And, and so do many other meditation practices, especially guided meditations, are always creative journeys. They're not sitting idle and just hoping that you will focus on your breath and, and be good. Like, no, they're different practices. So whatever's right for you. And I'm, I wanted to expound on that because that is a misconception mm -hmm. that often is, is there. And if anybody that is watching right now is finding it hard for them to get into a meditative state, don't worry about what world tells you what's a meditative state. Your state is your state. And so let's say for you, let's say you are having anxiety come up um, about you know, something that is, that is ahead in your business. Mm -hmm. And so what is, can you kind of walk us through what you would do? Let's say you wake up, you're feeling some anxiety about something. It's really getting to you. Mm -hmm. So, you so let's, take an, let's take an example just to make it easy for okay. anybody to understand. So say, for example, I have an event that's coming up and let's say I have anxiety around that. I have anxiety around, will I do well? Will I be able to speak eloquently? Will I do a good job? Will I serve my audience? Will we generate revenue out of it? Let's say hypothetically that's the situation and I am feeling anxious about it. It's happening a month from now. Usually, a few questions would guide me to come back to presence or to come back to my present moment and, and be in tune with my body and myself. First question will always be, is this true? Right? Is it true? Right? And most of the time, that is a good first question to ask because most of the time your mind will go, well, I don't know if this is true. It's probably not true that I will not be able to do this event or it's probably not true that I won't make any revenue on this event or it's probably not true that I will be completely a bomb, right, on stage. So it's probably not true, right? And it's a, it's a hedging, right? I'm mm -hmm. still hedging, I'm going probably, right? I, I don't know, right? But it gives you that first question and the first lean in which is not completely crap, this is, I'm gonna, this is all going to hell, right? right. It's, at least you're not in that place. So you've already reduced anxiety a little bit by hedging, probably not true. Right. And then second question after that is, okay, so what is really true? Right. What is really true? What is true is I have an event that's coming up in a month. What is really true is that I am st speaking on stage and I have four weeks to prepare. What is really true is I still show up really powerfully on stage, or at least I can try to show up really powerfully on stage. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, is that true? And what is really true will help me reduce the anxiety dramatically. Then the third step for me personally is what I do is I get into the meditative state and, and I have my own creative process of visualizing how I would really like it to pan out and who I need to be to be, do that, uh, to be able to do that. And then I have four weeks to prepare for it. Yeah. It's all the time in the world.
Yeah. Right? So that's that's an example of how yeah. you could turn it. And you can turn it in any situation. You have a situation of, say, a big credit card statement that comes, and you go, wow, I have $100,000 to pay. Is it really true? Yes, it is true. You have to pay $100,000. <laughs> but well, what is, what is it that I can do to really fix it once I get into my meditative state would help me actually right. figure out the step-by-step -step process to doing it? Because there's no... There is no benefit in, in being in trouble with that statement. Right. And so I tell people, the credit card statement's not going to come and slap you in the face. Mm -hmm. Right? It's really the agony that you put yourself through. Yeah. Um, and getting, again, stepping back and looking at what is it that we can do from more of a solution perspective. Mm -hmm. I love that. Now you talk, there's a difference between purpose and passion. Yeah. Um, talk about that. So purpose is your grand idea or your grand chase, as I call it. Purpose is something that you are, you're chasing and hopefully it's further enough that you'll never get it. And that's my hope for you. And the reason why I have that as a hope is because it will keep you excited about chasing something and you will continue to do good work in the world. Because when you meet your purpose or when you're close enough to your purpose, it's like the goals that we were talking about. Yeah. It's not exciting anymore, right? But when you are so far away from purpose, but it drives you enough, because you're like, I want to get to a billion lives. I want to be able to put a thousand people in the room, whatever that is, right? right. Uh, when that purpose is so far away, but it's still it's something that you can work towards for 20 years or 30 years, it keeps you excited and pumped to run a business for 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. And when we are able to run a business for 30, 40, 50 years, we do build empires. We just don't build companies. It ends up becoming an empire because you're running it for so long that you've compounded all the knowledge of the bread and compounding is great for business, right? So, so firstly, purpose is that. Purpose is the grand chase. A chase that hopefully you will never achieve and that's my wish for you, but you will make progress towards and hopefully make the world a better place in the, in the progress that you're mm -hmm. making towards it. And passion is things that are things that are exciting you or have excited yeah. you for a long time. Again, like we talked about previously, you don't want to chase or want to follow a passion that is fickle, that is based on something that you just saw or read. It's something that has been with you for five, seven, ten years at this point. You've been doing it directly or indirectly. You've been wanting to do it directly or indirectly, and you're mm -hmm. actually good at it. Right. And so what I think what I'm hearing you say too is that I mean we as human beings beings are always evolving and growing and so we need to be have something that we're evolving and growing towards mm -hmm. and to mm -hmm. that's going to pull us so that's that purpose mm -hmm. is especially if it's big enough it will hold our attention you know for years and years and years mm -hmm. yes absolutely because without without that chase is where we lose momentum without that chase is why every three years we need to change the business or we lose excitement for whatever we are working on because because as human beings we love chase guys or gals doesn't matter everybody loves a chase yeah you know um and what do you think with business owners too especially entrepreneurs are you know that shiny object syndrome yeah because you know and that can divert you over here and here and you never go deep enough what mm -hmm. is it that you think needs to happen because I think business owners are very impatient that's the society we live in it's the quick mm -hmm. fix it's the like you said this million dollars in seven days mm -hmm. but you know it takes time it takes time for these things to roll out and the you know here we are nine years now with our mastermind pinnacle global network and I just I feel like we're just beginning 
Mm-hmm. And so what do you, how can business owners stay more focused towards that purpose? So that's firstly, congratulations on that. And that's the attitude to build business, in my opinion, as mm-hmm. well. So congratulations on actually yeah, being an example for everybody that's watching right now and creating a business that not only is just not a fickle idea, it's something that is really has momentum and has lasted a significant time for, for, for it to be a real, real business grounded in real reality and still having the excitement to mm-hmm. continue to say, I've just started, what are you talking about? Right, so that's yeah. awesome and congratulations yeah, on that, firstly. You. Secondly, think about anybody, and this is just for especially the newer entrepreneurs because they're even more distracted than anybody else. Is look at anybody that you aspire to be like. You want to be like Allison. You want to be like whoever that is, right? You feel like this is the entrepreneur that represents me, right? Look at that entrepreneur and look at their story. They are never distracted. They are highly focused individuals who have worked on that company for several years before you even saw them, and that's that's just to give you an example of how something is built. And anybody that seems like an overnight success, anybody there's a hack that that made it successful, it didn't. Mark Zuckerberg started writing social media codes when he was 11 years old, right? Yes, his company came to birth in the way it did and when he was 22 or 23, but he was writing code for 10 years before. He had built like three different social networks before he created Facebook. So there's science to these things and there's a process to it. There's a consistency that actually compounds. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a compounding effect. It's just stacking on, stacking on, stacking on skills and attitudes and team members that you pick along the way, systems that you find that are more effective than the previous ones that you found that are unique to you because all businesses are 100% unique, especially if they're successful, right? They're different in their own light. You need to be able to stack that on. You need to be able to, before you say that you need to change direction, you need yourself to give it at least three to five years. I say before five years, a business is not mature enough to even try different ideas. You should stick to a few ideas that you try and see if that product works, if the audience works, if your marketing works a little bit. And if they work, that's when you can go around and see, hey, what's the next idea I need to build on to this business? Yeah, I I love that you're talking about that. It's like the 20-year overnight success story, you Mm -hmm. know? I mean, we're just adding a new um, division now to Pinnacle. I mean, and we didn't do it for nine years. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I I, I do think it really takes time. Like you think you have the vision in the beginning, but you don't really know what you're doing. I mean, the vision Mm -hmm. kind of evolves as you're going along. Well, I love the message that you have here. You've got to get this book, Live Big, because I, I, I feel like the answer of business success is in this book. Um, of course, you're going to learn marketing strategies, sales strategies, but if you don't have that purpose and really understanding how to be resilient on the emotional end of your business, it's going to be really tough um, to reach to reach your goals. So I love that you're talking about this. I think it's really important. Now you have um, a 21 day challenge. You have something that you're going to be sharing with everybody. Absolutely. So before we get into the 21 day challenge, I just want to remind everyone that business is personal. Uh, Business is business. Yes, but business is very personal. All businesses that are successful are personal journeys and personal growth journeys of the entrepreneur that built that business. So never ignore the person in the business. Uh, Secondly, what we found is sometimes if you are currently feeling that you're trapped in your business or you currently feel that you're not really finding the joy that you want to find in your business or you're feeling that you've lost the purpose and you've lost direction and you've lost focus in your business 
or you just want certain, if, or if you just want more growth in your business, what we have done is we have designed a 21-day reset. It's basically over 21 days, every single day, you get a small lesson every weekday, five days, so five days a week, you get a small lesson that you can use to transform the way you look at your vision. The, you transform the way how you look at your purpose, rediscover your purpose, rediscover your passion, find a system and strategy to be able to actually execute all of it. It happens over a course of 21 days because we wanted to give something that was quick for an entrepreneur because yeah. entrepreneurs don't have time, like Alison mm -hmm. rightly mentioned. Uh, so it's a 21 day process, it only is five to 10 minutes every single day. And you can find it at livebigthebook.com tools. It'll be available on the show notes here, but it's livebigthebook.com slash tools. It's a free thing for everybody that's watching the show. It's a 21 day journey. All you have to do is put in your name and email address and we'll start sending you weekly modules for you to study. And yeah, that's what a great gift. You absolutely have to go there right now. And we've got the link below. And Ajit, this has just been so beautiful. You're inspiring yes. me and, uh, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna relook at my own expectations and you know just making sure I'm on track with it. I think we always have to check in with Absolutely. that, right? Yeah. Because business changes all of the time. But this is really beautiful. Thank you for sharing. You. And wasn't he awesome, or isn't he awesome? So uh, remember that you can find the Scale or Fail show on any platform that podcasts are found. You can watch us in the video version or download the audio version, whatever works for you. And uh, remember to check us out at pinnacleglobalnetwork.com. We have an upcoming event, the Scale Event. Go to thescaleevent.com if you're ready to take your business to the next level. Until next time, get out there, elevate yourself because you are worth it. Bye everybody. Bye everyone. People always talk about they want to be part of uh, seven-figure companies. I'm now part of seven, eight, and nine-figure companies. I've been introduced to some of the largest corporations, uh, Fortune 500 companies, and it's with Allison's help, she's kind of expanded my horizons and my capabilities. And I think that's the most important thing where she expands, she, she makes you know what you can do and be successful at that. Being with Allison and being able to learn who to hire and why to hire and how to develop a passionate, creative, inspired team was really, really important for me because I needed to shift some energy in my business. And I feel like with her help, I've really done that. Pinnacle helped me grow my company to where at this point, a year ago, I'm making a, I made a million more than I did at this point last year. So I really wanted to break that ceiling. I've hit that ceiling for several years in a row and Pinnacle has helped me do that by implementing the thought. It's, it's actually just a thought process and how you view your company and how you view what you're doing. I think a lot of us entrepreneurs are hard on ourselves and are hard on our companies when it's not that we shouldn't be that way. So I think it's just looking at things a little bit differently, um, putting into practice the systems that she teaches us. Uh, for example, if you want an example, um, putting people in place to where I want my business to be at in two, three years. So I've got people right now in place and it's wild. It's just like it's all the work is coming in and we're in place and we're not stressed out. And it's just amazing. It's just an amazing place to be. 
What I love most about being in the Pinnacle is constant access to support. So whether it be my mastermind group or the recorded resources that Allison has produced for us or the constantly cutting edge information that's coming to us on social media, Facebook ads, how to conduct webinars, I mean, you name it, we have a resource for it. So since joining Pinnacle, we've added 12 new positions to the company. We've increased revenue about 43%. We've increased profit by 111% um, this year. More importantly, I've gotten out of some roles um, that I was in, like QA manager and some of the marketing um, things that I was doing are now outsourced, or not outsourced, insourced to a, a team member. Um, and I've really focused in on running the business instead of letting it run me. Uh, coaching opportunities out there, and a lot of times I'm, I'm a little bit suspicious it's a kind of a sales job, you know, are they, are they in it for themselves, are they in it for me? And at no time have I ever felt with Pinnacle that my best interest was not number one priority. And it's truly an organization, and not just Allison and the coaches, but everyone there. It's a, coming from a, a place of giving and um, working for mutual benefit, a lot, a lot of sharing going on, and that's a, a great team to work with. Uh, right off the bat, I laid a foundation for my coaching practice, and I increased my prices, uh, and within one week I had signed two high-paying clients that had basically paid for my, co my coaching program with Allison, and since then, um, my income has doubled every single month. It's been tremendous, but being a part of the community has been the greatest asset. I've been so fortunate and blessed to befriend so many other amazing entrepreneurs who I learn from on a regular basis, who always have my back, like-minded people that I surround myself with, and the environment is, is so positive. I just cannot speak highly enough of it, and I am always compelled to share it with everyone I know. I feel it is the biggest gift to introduce and share this opportunity to connect with this kind of community uh, with everybody that I know. Don't be the company like I was, being in business for over 12 years, looking back and saying, what did I do in the last 10 years? Do it now, now is all we have. We don't have the past and we don't have the future. All we have is now. I've been in business for 21 years now and I've worked with a number of business coaches and I watched Allison for four years and the results that her clients had when they worked with her and I finally decided this is the next coach that I'm going to hire because she is the real deal. She is available to her people she absolutely cares deeply about each and every individual and the success of their business. And you know what? We have to, in business, take risks. And sometimes taking risk is hiring that new coach. This is a risk worth taking. There is nothing like it. I can't even explain um, what the opportunity and the learning um, that comes with Pinnacle. Don't even think about it, because if you think about it, that's the number one thing that will hold you back. Just do it. You won't regret it. You just need to do it. I mean, you have to stop being on the fence. You have to get off the, the, the fence is boring. The fence is honestly, I was on the fence for, oh gosh, I was on the fence for maybe two years. And it was a horrible fence to sit on. I hated the fence. 
because the fence kept me stuck. And it was when I finally jumped off the fence that my business skyrocketed.